the number one regret I hear from people who've gone through a divorce is that they didn't prepare in advance. There's no do-over in divorce, so planning early in the process is a game changer. Divide and Thrive's Divorce Planner takes the guesswork out of what to do. Their planner has helped thousands of people throughout the U.S. and Canada save time and money during divorce and have peace of mind. Their program guides you through how to set divorce goals, tackle your budget with easy-to-use financial planning tools, streamlines your essential document collection, and simplifies asset cataloging. Recommended by divorce attorneys, mediators, and financial advisors, the easy-to-use planner helps you address the emotional and business sides of divorce and create your best next chapter. Check out www.divideandthrive.net for reviews and a peek inside the planner. Use code SUSAN22 for 20% off. Divorce is hard. Divide and Thrive makes planning for one easy. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. To me, the importance of the word respect is we are trying to go through that divorcing and separation experience in a way that brings parties and more importantly, the entire family to a place of respect and dignity because they all need to continue to work together, move forward and keep their children in a place that feels good for them. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today's another great week because I have not one, but two guests for you. And what you don't know, listeners, are these are two people that I have known. We just talked about this and Jennifer revealed that the last time I saw her in person, her daughter's 23 and it was before her daughter was was born or around when she was born. So I have known these two ladies for an incredibly long time. They are two top professionals from my home state of Connecticut, and they are joining me this week in their roles as um, officers. Uh, Jennifer, in fact, is the president, the current president of CCND, the Connecticut Council on Non-Adversarial Divorce. And that is an organization that I have been a member of for many years and was really instrumental in my shift from being the divorce litigator, you all know I was for so many years, to becoming a hopefully a peacemaker, uh, mediator, and collaborative professional. So first, let me just say Jennifer, Deborah, Deb, I call her Deb, her name's actually Deborah. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you for you. joining me. Thanks, Susan. Deb is a family law attorney like me. In fact, her career path 
at one point was a little similar. She was a family law attorney. She went to court. She did all those things that I did for so long, but she just got smart way before I did. And she uh, she switched to a non-adversarial or court out of court practice more than 20 yes, years ago, correct. I think now, Deb, right? And yeah, and she is a, so she's family law attorney, family law mediator. She also does a lot of GAL work. You all remember guardian ad litem work. My friend Beth McMahon came on and, and actually we did a two-part episode. You can go back and listen to that if you want to know more about what a guardian ad litem does, um, a really important role. And then Jennifer is actually a mental from the mental health world. She has been helping families and parents with co-parenting, parenting plans, um, first in the Connecticut court system so many years ago, but now um, as a private professional. And she also does as in addition to having mediation training and collaborative law training, she also works as a parent coordinator. And I just want to point out to um, listeners, we also have a special two-part episode on parent coordination. Um, and I want to, I'll reference that in the show notes for you all, because it's such an important and really growing role. But Having said all of that, what we are here to talk about today is Divorce with Respect Week. Um, CCND uh, is having, starting today, we're taping this um, a little in advance, but when this launches, it will be the first day of Divorce with Respect Week in Connecticut. And I really, I love that term and really wanted to explore what divorcing with respect means and dive a little deeper into that. So again, ladies, thank you for joining me. And I'm, I'm so happy that we're getting to talk about something that really all my listeners out there, um, it's going to help them move through their divorce process with respect, we hope. So, oh, Wait, I can't forget before we get started. I I, I <laughs> promised I was going to do this big reveal. I've been talking about it for a while. So listeners, you have heard me tell the story of that day. Remember that day I've talked about when I had been in court, I was about, gosh, 20 some odd years into my practice. And I had had another nasty hearing in court and just, it was just the day, right? I didn't know where I was going to go. And I remember going out into the hallway and sitting down and I must have looked despondent or upset or something. And an attorney, a, an attorney I knew sat down next to me and leaned over and kind of whispered to me. Um, and the words I remember are, it doesn't have to be this way. And that person, drum will please everybody, <laughs> was Deb Noonan. She doesn't even remember this conversation, but I think it's significant that I remember it. And ever since that day, that is the day I talked to her after that, she told me about this mediation practice, this out-of-court practice that she had. And I went and took my 40-hour training not long after that. And ever since that day, I've never looked back. I've not set foot in a courtroom now. I think it's for eight years um, or so. And thank you, Deb. You changed my life and you changed the oh. direction of many families uh, because I stopped working in that adversarial model and was able to uh, find a way to help people divorce in a better way is what I call it. So I did want to mention that my <laughs> listeners have heard about you. They didn't know who you were. So thank you very much, even if you don't remember it. Well, you are welcome, Susan. <laughs> Thank you. So, and let's, you know, let's take it that step deeper because 
I really think that divorcing with respect, I love that that is the title of the week that you chose at CCND, because respect is a, is a really key word, and it's something that gets lost in the process so easily, especially when you get into that adversarial approach. Respect is something that people may not be feeling toward each other and in in not a way that they are treating each other with respect as they go into the divorce process. So as I've mentioned, you both come from different backgrounds. Deb's the legal side of things. Jen, you are the mental health side of things. Let's unpack what a respectful divorce looks like from your different perspectives. Um, And we'll start with you, Jennifer, if you don't mind. I love that word too, Susan. Um, I really was excited when we decided to launch this week because as families move through the divorcing process, parents are so focused on the emotions regarding them towards their soon-to-be ex-partner. And it's very easy to be disrespectful, to be hurtful, to be angry, to be all of the emotions that go into that. But the reality of divorce is that it's not just about what's happening today and the separating and reorganizing of the family unit, but especially when there are children involved, we are also looking forward. Not only what does it look like today as you're going through this process, but what does it look like tomorrow, a year from now, and five years from now? So to me, the importance of the word respect is we are trying to go through that divorcing and Mm -hmm. separation experience in a way that brings parties and more importantly, the entire family to a place of respect and dignity because they all need to continue to work together, move forward and keep their children in a place that feels good for them. Um, And that, to me, is why that word respect is so important. It's that future. Such an important change of perspective, really, for people, because, you know, what I'm hearing you say, Mm -hmm. and I, I feel this is really critical in the process for people is it's very normal, right, for people to be focused backwards. And often the respect between a couple has disintegrated or eroded in many ways because of what's happened in that past. And I love that you're shifting that focus to the future. And, and you know, Deb, I'm thinking with what we do as mediators or in a collaborative process, that's really sort of the difference, I think, between a litigation approach to divorce and a more you know mediated approach or a collaborative approach because litigation is always focused on what happened in the past who did what how did exactly. we get here and as we move into mediation we're kind of you know looking forward how is this family going to go forward you know as you look at as a respectful divorce helping to instill respect into your clients what does that look like for you as a mediator or a collaborative attorney So I think it's similar to what Jennifer was just saying. I feel that in the traditional model of divorce, I always, the metaphor I use is you're driving a car and in a traditional divorce, you're looking in your rear view mirror because what happened in the past informs the entire process. Who did what to whom? Who was the worst parent? Who was the better spouse? It's all about blaming, trying to find fault. 
and using that information to somehow hopefully convince a judge or somebody that you're right and you deserve X, Y, and Z. In mediation and collaborative, it's about respecting and, and acknowledging that you have a family unit that may get reconfigured as part of the divorce, but they have to move forward in the future as a reconfigured family unit. And so the, the emphasis is on looking out your, your window, right? Your front window of your car as you're driving through this process to say, how can we best set this family up in a way that when the divorce process has ended, they can be launched into a new beginning where everyone is, their interests and their concerns have been addressed to the best of our ability because there's a finite amount of financial resources to work with. So how can we take those financial resources and optimize them in such a way that the entire family, their, the interests that were articulated during the process are best addressed. So it's a much, it's a, it's a forward looking, forward thinking process. And I think that, that that engenders respect and dignity because you're concerned about everyone in the process and not just your own client. You're literally in the room with both of the people in a mediation and in a collaborative process most of the time. And Jennifer, if you're working with the parents, even in a, um, you know, in a co-parenting coaching situation or in that, you're actually working with two people together. And one of the things that we have the opportunity to do as professionals is help them start shifting from those negative, maybe disrespectful to stay on our theme here, disrespectful ways of communicating with each other, of operating together, of making decisions together or not together, which is often what we see with disrespect. And I'm wondering, you know, when you're sitting in a room, Jennifer, and, and you have two parents, say, who are being disrespectful, we'll just go back to that. How do you start to help them start looking out that front windshield that Deb was talking about? So some of the things that I try to focus on is, first of all, I always remind them of who we're talking about, which is their children. Because many times, if we can get the, the parents to stop thinking just from their own lens and start looking at it from their children's lens, there's an easier capacity to pause and to step back just a little bit. And so what I try to do is get them discussing, um, Deb talked about interests, their goals and their interests for their children and for themselves and their family. And so when we're looking at a variety of pieces, it's a much easier way to get a individual off just that rear view and the things that are happening for them internally and to start looking at, okay, if we use the word reorganized, you're still a family, but it's going to be reorganized. What's important to you, parent, as what you would like to see it happen? And for your children, how would you like it to stay similar and modulate some of the things that are important to them. And as they start discussing those things, I bring in the concept of now we are talking about what it's going to look like to be divorced, not just divorcing, 
but to be divorced. And as we keep linking that, it becomes a little easier for parents to understand. The other concept that I'd like to introduce regarding respect is I remind parents that their children are half of them and half of the person that they're bad now thinks. So how does it feel for a child to be made to feel badly about someone whose eyes they have that remind them of their one parent or a mannerism they have. And sometimes parents are able to pause and just say, hmm, let me think about how I can approach this going forward. That's such an impact, I think, for parents to be able to bring them to that space of understanding that everything they're saying about their co-parent in a disrespectful manner, perhaps, they almost could be saying to their children about their children, um, because that's how children hear it. And it can really, I, I love your perspective of bringing the children into the room. I actually have clients provide a picture of their children as part of my intake and we'll put that up on the screen or put the picture on the table or ask them to bring it up on their phone, right? And I see you both nodding. Deb, do you do the same? Yes. Yes. And, and the, the uh, another thing I do, which sort of builds off of what Jennifer was talking about is, you know, it's natural that when people come into the process, they come in with positions. It's just human nature. You, you're, you're scared. Um, they're scared. They, there's sort of this mentality of scarcity, right? There's only so much money in the pot. There's only so much time to spend with the children. So oftentimes people come in with this mentality of scarcity and, and they're positional. So when you're positional, you tend not to be very respectful to one another because you're not thinking about the other person. You're thinking about yourself, like self-preservation. So one of the things that I do is I formulate questions and I have to give tip my hat to Chip Rose here, who is a well-known mediator, because this was something I learned from him, that you formulate questions that you know they have to say yes to, <laughs> such as, would it be fair to say that you want an agreement that protects and shields your children from the acrimony of divorce? Who's going to say no to that, right? Yes. Do you want a, an agreement that provides the best parenting plan for your children that gives them access to both of you so that they can have two fully engaged parents? Who typically says no to that. So you ask those kind of questions and now you have a buy-in. And then I say to the clients, do you give me permission that if during this process, either one of you or both of you are behaving in a way that is not conforming with the, the answers to those questions that you just gave me, do you give me permission to remind you about this? And I've never had anybody say no. So when I see them maybe going down the wrong path in terms of not being respectful to one another, not listening, not valuing the other person's perspective or voice, I remind them, you know, is this behavior in line with what you said to me at our very first meeting, that this was the type of divorce you want to have? This is the type of process you want. So that's another sort of little tool in our toolbox that we use to, you know, make sure that people stay respectful. 
First of all, master mediator there, everybody. I happen to train mediators these days, and that is like gold for everyone out there. And if you're going into a mediation, just think about the mental shift that those questions and those agreements start to make within you. Because Deb, I think, you know, and Jennifer, you have me, you're, you're a mediate as well. I think people come into the process and think we're all going to hold hands around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. And now here we are talking about, well, respect can be in short supply at times. In fact, you know, I'm sure we could all tell some stories about, you know, just how far away from respect people can get into the process. Hello, listeners. So I'm here with a blatant ask and a chance for us all to do some good. We are so excited because the show is growing every week and we're thrilled to be reaching more and more people who need help as they journey through their divorce and beyond. We know one of the best ways for people to continue to find the show is through your recommendations and reviews. So if you would, we would be ever so grateful if you would take a moment and leave us a five-star rating and tell us in a review why you love the show. For all the reviews left on Apple Podcasts in August and September 2022, we will be making a donation to Rainbows for All Children, which is an amazing charity that supports children experiencing grief of all kinds through facilitated peer groups within their communities. You can get more information about Rainbows at rainbows.org. And thank you so much. Stay tuned for more from my conversation with attorney Deb Noonan and therapist Jennifer Louise Champagne as we continue to share insights into why divorcing with respect is essential to your beyond. Their children are going to become adults and there's going to be birthdays and bat mitzvahs and weddings. And how do you want to spend those times together? Do you want to be at the opposite end of the reception hall when your daughter or son gets married? Or do you want to be sitting together at the head table? What do you want your relationship to be like? Because how you divorce directly correlates with how you are going to be with one another after the divorce. If you're enjoying this week's episode, be sure to check out last week's show with the amazing Tina Swithin, author, coach, and advocate who recently re-released her book, Divorcing a Narcissist, One Mom's Battle, in which she shares her journey to saving her daughters and herself from her narcissistic ex-husband in an epic 10-year legal journey. This is an episode not to be missed. You know, no matter what you're going through, you know, persevere, you just have to keep chipping away at it. And, And that's very much what I did. And I was successful in protecting my children um, because I, you know, really held on to what was in their best interest and I refused to settle. And now we return to today's show. One of the things that I love about the mediated process or a collaborative process is that there's always a shift at some point when the two parents realize that they're working together. And those questions that you're asking, and and Jennifer, what you're talking about is that reconfigured family and what it's going to look like to be divorced. 
is when that window starts to open up for parents and we see it in that room. And sometimes that's when that window opens, that's where the respect can start to be built again. Um, and, you know, that brings up something that I've talked about on other episodes is that many things have probably happened for a couple. You know, my listeners right here are going, I know they're doing this. Yeah, but he did this <laughs> or she did that. I always say the, the most useless words in, in divorce are yeah, but because we hear them so often. Um, but but reality is probably some bad things have happened there. And I'm wondering, how, do you have conversations with the people that you're working with about reestablishing maybe their integrity with each other or that this is an opportunity really for them to start building a new type of relationship? Jennifer, do you have, you know, sort of a conversation around that for people? It's, I, it can be so powerful. I do. Um, and the way I approach that conversation with them is I try to help them understand, and I do it with my hands often, that I'll say, when you're married, your partners and parents, it's together. You're seeing each other as the same human being. And when we're talking about divorce, we're separating that. Here's your partnership. Here's your parenting relationship. This human across from you may have hurt you as a partner. But let's put this over here and let's try to start looking at each other as just parents. And when we do that, it removes that history and that relational interaction that really is so complicated and disrespectful and trust took a hit and all the things that go into it. And when I get them talking about themselves as parents and as co-parents, it centers them back to around their children and it compels them to stay in the here and now in the future which is our future windshield, right? That we're looking forward with them. Um, so whenever something comes up, I will say to them, ask yourself a few questions. Is this about this other person in their parenting? Or is this something about that other person from my history with you as a partner? Sift it out. Because if you can sift it out, it will allow the person to work on what they need to work on regarding the pain and hurt that goes to the separation. But as we move forward, it allows them to focus their conversations in a productive manner because it's all about parenting and it takes some of those hot spots out of it and just redirects it. Yeah. Well, and your visuals that you're using, those who are listening to the podcast, you know, showing the two hands entwined as the marriage and then the two hands separated as, you know, your, your parenting and your relationship being separate, you know, things. Now there's almost even in that moment of seeing that, a feeling of separation. And that is part of what we deal with in a mediation room in a collaborative process is helping a couple, two parents in many cases, you know, start to establish these new roles in each other's lives that don't really have anything to do with the the entwined hands anymore. Um, and one of the things I love on this show is, is just what um, you just did, Jennifer, there is, is 
I've, I bet you've used those words in that analogy many, many times in your process because it's so effective. And I find that truly great professionals have those, you know, examples that they're able to give. I'm wondering, Deb, if you have something similar around rebuilding the relationship. Yeah, I do. But before I start commenting on that, I just want to say, Jennifer, that was very powerful. And I really like that. And so I hope you don't care if I steal it from you. <laughs> or Please borrow. use it, Deb. I was going to say, borrow Please with attribution. I always give credit where credit is due. Um, and now I'm rethinking what I'm about to say, because I do ask them to look in the past, but only, only to their marriage. And I say to them, I know right now there's a lot of feelings that you're both experiencing, disappointment, sorrow, grief, fear, um, anger. But think back to the day that you got married and think about how you felt about one another in that moment. You sort of that's a repository of goodwill. And I ask for people to dip into that repository during the process when things feel like they're angry or they want to be revengeful. Think about that. Think about who, how you felt and who that person was, who you saw on that day. So I don't know now after listening to you, if that's such a good idea, although it tends to work. So, um, but I really love what you said. I, I have, well, actually, I see benefit in both ways of approaching it. And, you know, maybe Jennifer, do you ever find it helpful to look to the past um, and to that time when maybe things weren't disrespectful and hadn't eroded? I do on two levels. Um, on one level, I like to have them look back to those endearing qualities that they found of each other so that they could actually try and, you know, have some positivity in their conversation. And especially as it relates back to their children, I tend to whenever I'm working with parents, and probably as the mental health person in the room, I have the flexibility on doing this. I do like to have an individual meeting with each parent that I'm working with to give them an opportunity to tell me their story. Because the purpose of that is not so that I can hear every awful thing that they want to say about somebody else. I want to know their pain and I want to know their triggers and I want to know their hot spots so that as we're moving forward, I'm aware of what those are. Um, because I'm working in either a mediation or collaborative setting, I'm not doing therapy with them. But as the therapist in the room, it's important for me to be aware of where that pain is going to be coming from so that I can try to help them move it in a different way or have a better conversation or be able to say to them, you know what, I noticed this. Maybe we want to talk about this separate or you want to talk to your therapist or you want to get some support on it um, just so that everybody knows that they're being heard because the difference with a non-adversarial process, I think, is that they want to be heard, but sometimes they're not going to be. They might be heard by the professionals or we might try to have the partner hear them and there's not always closure when it comes to that. So if I can at least try to hear them as to what's important to them and help that shift to forward moving, I feel as though I'm giving them a little of that in the work that I'm doing with them when they're not going to get it in another way. Yeah. 
I also think that um, what we all do, and I think this, I'm sure your listeners have heard this over and over again, because it's its not all that creative, but it's very impactful, I think, is I try to remind people. Now, again, we're talking about a divorcing couple with children, mm-hmm. um, but I will remind them that long after this divorce is over, their children are going to become adults and there's going to be birthdays and bat mitzvahs and christenings and births and weddings. And how do you want to spend those times together? Do you want to be at the opposite end of the reception hall when your daughter or son gets married? Or do you want to be sitting together at the head table? Do you want to be able to dance along with your son or daughter and their new spouse? Or do you want to have your backs turned towards one another? Like I ask people to look in the future. What do you want your relationship to be like? Because how you divorce directly correlates with how you are going to be with one another after the divorce. So divorce with respect, you will be respectful to one another afterwards. You don't have to be best friends, to use your terminology, Susie, kumbaya, but at least have a civil business-like relationship. And if you don't treat each other that way during the process, chances are you're not going to treat each other that way once the divorce is long over. You said that was impactful. That is incredibly impactful. And you're right to get back to our divorcing with respect. This is the the key to why that should be a goal to divorce with respect, because if you can divorce with respect, as you just said, Deb, then that will be able to be your relationship as you go forward. And as someone, you know, who is a co-parent and we're now, you know, we have 24 year olds um, who are starting to do things like graduate and have significant others and someday not yet, please, uh, grandchildren (laughs) and things like that. Right. You know, I can look back to those, you know, how important it is for them, especially, but for us as well, to be able to enjoy those times in their lives and not have disrespect be a part of those days and those times for them. So I I don't, before we we end, I want to make sure that we're able to talk about all of the exciting things that you are doing for Divorce with Respect Week. It starts today. Um, Jennifer, what are some of the um, activities and, and programming that you have at CCND for this event in this week? So Susan, I am so excited how many things that we have planned for this. I mean, we have really um, worked really, really hard. And I do have to give just a very quick little thank you to my board and my committees um, at CCND. I have amazing people in this organization who worked so hard on it. Um, So we have a couple of This is kicking us off. We have a couple of webinars, Zoom events. Um, We have some live events. We also have the opportunity for people to have free consultations. So we have a whole setup on our website that um, we have professionals from the organization. I think we have about 40 individuals who are signed up and ready to go um, to have a free consultation with anyone who has some general questions about the options for divorce so that they can truly learn a little bit more about mediation and collaborative as they're making their decision on what process they are going to choose. So all of that is on a designated page 
on our Connecticut Council for Non-Adversarial Divorce website. Um, and so I do hope that your listeners who are in the area or not, who are interested in getting some information can go to our um, site and um, look at everything that we have to Yeah, offer. Well, and I want to point out to listeners, it doesn't matter if you're in Connecticut or not. The online events are wonderful information mm -hmm. available to everyone that will, you know, be a much deeper dive than we're able to do in, in a short podcast episode. I also want to point out to my listeners because th they love their experts. So Lily Vasilev, who's also been on the show and Olivia Summerhill, who was on um, recently and will be on again soon, folks, talking about um, finding hidden buried treasure in divorce. She's talking about um, finding finding the hidden assets. But both Olivia and Lily are participating in this as well as the two of you. The website for everyone to know is gooddivorcect.com. And then there's a page on that. I'm going to have links to everything in the show notes, as well as links to both Jennifer and Deb's um, websites and their information as well so that you can reach them. Uh, Deb, are you also participating in the free consultations? And Yes. I am. And I, I, I want to also make it clear and uh, Jennifer, please correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, you know, because the consultations are not giving legal advice, they're not intended for people to call and say, I own a house and we own four. It's about non-adversarial divorce options. So you're not limited to Connecticut. So if you live in Michigan and you want to learn more about uh, mediation and collaborative divorce, I say sign up for a consultation because mm -hmm. it's not giving you legal advice about your particular case or about what the law is. It's really about mediation, collaborative and collaborative divorce. What are they? Are they a good fit for you? So it's really educational. So I don't think it should be limited just to people who live in Connecticut. Yeah, I, I and there's a huge option okay. for all of you. I hope you don't get flooded because there are a lot of people who listen to this <laughs> this podcast. Um, but that is a, a you know a wonderful opportunity to have a, a deeper conversation with professionals like Jennifer and Deb talking about being able to divorce with respect. What does a non-adversarial divorce look like? I think you've gotten a little bit of the nuance here, everyone, but you'll be able to ask more questions. And to go back to something that, Deb, you said, the way that you get divorced has so much to do with how you will live your lives after divorce. And that is one of the most significant reasons to open your mind and your thoughts to the idea of having a collaborative or a mediated or a non-adversarial divorce. And so I highly encourage you all, you all know, this is all I talk about for, for all my episodes, but it's just so critical. How you divorce will have so much to do with how you live your lives beyond divorce. And what Jennifer said, it feels like your divorce will be going on forever, but as she does with her clients, open the door to that, you know, what our lives are going to be like when we are divorced, because that's really, as I always say, you're beyond. And that's why we do divorce and beyond. So ladies, thank you so much both for being on the show, but also for being a part of such a wonderful project. Um, and being a part of CCND, you guys had so much to do with why I am and what I do. And Deb, especially thank you to you for being that catalyst. But both of you, um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Susan. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun.
Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And go to the show notes. I'll have links to everything and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.